What's up, guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Laced Up Podcast. I'm here with Flight Mike and Get Like Coop. And Mike, you've got something to say. Yeah, guys. Um, first of all, really excited to be doing this podcast with you guys. We've been working really hard on it. And to celebrate our entry officially into the podcast game, we are giving away an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5. All you have to do to enter is hit that little subscribe button and hit that little bell down below to join our notification gang. When you're done, let us know in the comment section that you're part of the Laced Up Noti gang to enter for a chance to win a PS5. Also, I understand a lot of us don't have YouTube premium and you don't wanna have your phone open as you're listening to us three gentlemen talk about basketball and yelling at each other. So we're also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Laced Up and hit us with a follow there as well. Our links to Apple Podcasts and Spotify are in the description down below. And if you're in a good mood today, you're feeling a little generous, hit us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to get us up there in the algorithm. And make sure to subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great, actually. You know, I don't know if you guys heard the news, but, uh, you know, my team over here is making some moves. Unlike, what did the Pelicans do during the trade deadline coup? I heard, I did they did they really do anything at all whatsoever? And Mike, weren't the Chicago Bulls supposed to get a specific individual from the Pelicans? What's going on, man? What's going on, guys? All right, I would like to the Bulls. The Bulls walked away with an All Star. In fact, I think we're the only team that walked away with the current All Star this season. So I think we did pretty good. I don't know. I mean, Coop. Lonzo Ball, the future of Lonzo Ball. What is happening there? By the way, guys, Mike, uh, Bulls fan here. Flight Mike, Lakers fan, Coop, Pelicans. So when it comes to Lonzo Ball, I definitely thought the Pelicans were going to lose him at the trade deadline. I was prepared for life without Lonzo Ball, as hard as that is to say. And, you know, as a Pelicans fan, Losing Lonzo Ball would be tough because we've stuck with him through all of the tough times. I don't care what Lakers fans say. Whoa. We stuck with him through the truly tough times. Truly and now tough. he's having his best season in New Orleans. And you're telling me we're, we're going to lose him? Sounds crazy, right? True. Wait, hold on. What is your definition of truly tough times? Because I don't think it gets tougher than playing under the spotlights of L.A., being told by Magic Johnson, don't break too many of my records. And then having your dad come and constantly micromanage your career and eventually get traded to the Pelicans for obviously Anthony Davis. So what's your definition of tough times? Because you guys I got think, Lonzo. I think Coop's definition of tough times is different than everyone's because the New Orleans franchise as a whole is just one tough time, basically. So, whoa! I mean, there's a little whoa. bit there, but yeah, Yo. I mean, Lonzo in his second season with you guys has at least been good. Yeah, no, he definitely improved in New Orleans, but it was a it was a struggle, man. We had to put up with so many inconsistencies when it comes to Lonzo Ball, and even because it, like he got out of L.A., he went to New Orleans, you know, less spotlight, but still, everybody's talking about what Lonzo Ball's doing. Everybody's focused on, you know, Lonzo Ball. What's his next move? It's It kind of weighs on you. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree with you on that. You're, say, you're saying that, you know, the pressure that Lonzo Ball faces ever since and he look, entered the NBA and look, is tremendous. The Lakers, oh, wait, uh, one second. One qu quick question for you. Yeah. How do you feel Lonzo Ball has been as a Pelican? Because you guys are a franchise right now that is going to have to make a decision. You now have a restricted free agent 
So how do you feel like would what do you think he's going to be for you going forward or are you giving up on him? When it comes to the Lakers, when I say tough times, there was nothing tough about Lonzo in L.A. This is a this is a young player. I mean, OK, there were some tough things. You know, yeah, he did have the spotlight of his father. Um, yeah, he was really inconsistent. Yeah, he was playing, you know, under the scrutiny of possibly being traded every day. I really felt bad for Brandon Ingram and, you know, all those Lakers guys in that situation. But for the Lakers, I still think having Lonzo Ball was a lot easier than, you know, Lonzo Ball being a Pelican. Because the Pelicans, they have, like, like Corzimba said, we have to make a decision now with Lonzo Ball. The Lakers, they had to make an easy decision. Are we going to trade Lonzo Ball for Anthony Davis? Like, come on, you know what I'm saying? So now the Pelicans are put in this position where it's pay Lonzo Ball possibly more than he's worth or end up losing Lonzo Ball for nothing in restricted free agency. Now, this is a decision that could affect the Pelicans' future. As we know it, because you guys know we already got Eric Bledsoe under contract. You know, we already paid Steven Adams. So, so I mean, are you willing to give up Eric Bledsoe in order to get Lonzo? Because from what I've read, uh, the Pelicans don't want to go too into the luxury tax. And yeah. I know with uh, having Eric Bledsoe's contract and then a potential big Lonzo Ball contract on top of Josh Hart, who is also going to be a restricted free agent, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. 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 He's going to okay. be. A so on top of that, agent. you guys would be going into the luxury. Um, from what I've read, from everything I've seen, it looks like it would be a choice between Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo. I mean, okay. Can they even get rid of Eric Bledsoe at this point? Oh yeah. Contract, yeah. Not yeah. 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 Season. I mean, if you attach a pitch a, a pick to Eric Bledsoe, you could get rid of him, no problem. My thing is, I thought they were going to use Lonzo to get rid of Bledsoe at the deadline. That didn't happen. Now, I've also seen a few beat writers say that the Pelicans can sign Lonzo and Josh Hart to lucrative contracts this offseason. I don't know how true that is. but I think uh, they can. I think they're good there when it comes to it. I think it's just it uh, depends on the luxury tax, how much your owner is willing to go into that, which, of course, you know, plays a huge role on with everything. Now, my question for you is obviously this this is going to be a huge decision. What happens? You guys just got nothing for him, you know, uh, come the trade deadline. What happens? New York Knicks come. They come around. All right. There's been a lot of talk about the Bulls, and we could get into that. We could get into the Bulls with Lonzo. I would love him. But the, the Knicks, though, the Knicks, when it comes down to that, what happens if they're like, you know what? Madison Square Garden, Lonzo Ball, let's get some tickets sold. Let's Let's offer that. 24 25 million let's overpay what do you what do you now want to what say the mike? Do? what do you want to say mike like mike what do you want to say i, I mean you, you know it's like corzemba's telling the future here because it's such a nicks thing to do and I it seems see, like it's gonna happen it, 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 like, and like we've yeah, been all these hints like it, uh, something that we no one talks about anymore now that the trade deadline's done and the whole reason why there was so much smoke being pumped into this whole Lonzo Ball situation is his dad literally came out and gave this interview where he said I don't obviously his words may have been mixed up but the vibe you get from the interview is hey you know Lonzo Ball he's doing great but he's not necessarily happy with his role and 
at face value, you're thinking it's LeVar being LeVar. But when you look at what Lonzo's role really is, he went from being the man that was facilitating the offense, which is what he was doing in Alvin Gentry's offense, which is a little bit more up-tempo than Stan Van Gundy's offense, which is a much reduced pace, to just spotting up for three. And yeah, it's working wonders. His three-point percentage has gone up, but it's not necessarily something that would you feel comfortable with paying Lonzo Ball like 22 or 23 million dollars a year just to spot up at three and hit wide open threes out of 40 no, something. No, I, I wouldn't. No. I would like no. to state that like I feel like if you look at Lonzo's numbers right now, okay, you take a look at them, you go number two pick, let's see some big improvement from him for the Pelicans. I don't think yeah. the big improvement has been there. Has there been improvements to his game? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Is he shooting solid from three at this point? Yes. Okay. But okay. I don't think he's made the leap that we would no. be hoped that no. you would expect from someone that you're going to – I mean, there's a reason they're not no-brainer re-signing him. He is still – he's getting you 14 points a game. Like Mike said, he's spotting up a lot more. So he's got 5.6 assists per game. The offense isn't running through him. Um, I know Coop, you had something to say about his defense last time we talked about him. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think he's a great defender. You know, a lot of Lonzo fans are going to come at me for that. I think he's above average. I think he's a plus defender, but I think his defense somewhere along the lines got lost as like, you know, he's this uber high level defender. Now I will say this, the Pelicans defense is horrific as a whole. So I would be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he is elite if he gets put in the right system because we've seen guys go from bad defense to, you know, playing competent to good defense in a different situation with the good defense yeah. behind them. Uh, what would not- scare me with that, though, I'd say, is that I would say, yeah, the Pelicans might have the best defense, but in terms of those kind of situations, I feel like a lot of times it's a team that maybe the guy – is in a role where his team isn't winning or he's just, you know, fed up with this front office. I wouldn't say that that's the case with Lonzo. I'd say that they're a young, hungry team that is trying to compete every single night. And I would say that Lonzo is out here fighting for a contract. So that's why I would be concerned in terms of defense. um, I would think what you're getting is more of what you're going to get here, especially when you have to consider with these restricted free agents. You know, like I just mentioned a second ago, they – are playing for a contract, okay? So you're going to be getting all you can out of this guy coming down the stretch, and then you have to make the decision, okay, is he going to be playing like this for me for the next four years? Is this a money-type thing where he's putting in more effort than he normally would? So my thing is the Pelicans are 20 and 25. You know, Lonzo's been healthy a majority of the season. If you think, you know, this is your ceiling with, like, Lonzo, obviously you don't, but... Are you going to see that drastic improvement to where you you're locking in this core of B.I., Zoe and Zion? You know, Lonzo scary, has it's a missed, scary thing like, to do. I. I think personally that it would be very foolish for the New Orleans yeah. Pelicans, and I don't even see a world where the New Orleans Pelicans match a contract for Lonzo that is in the range of 20 million simply because the guys that you drafted this year and yeah, even other good. guards that you Kyra. drafted in the past, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis. Kyra Lewis, literally, his entire draft comparison and draft profile is this dude could spot up and shoot. So why would you go and pay someone $20 million to spot up and shoot when you do have the shooting coach? You have Fred Vinson, the man literally. Oh, he's, a, he's unbelievable. Yo, yeah. he's got Zion shooting like 
drastically improved from the free throw Ex- line. Exactly. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, you have him. So why would you pay someone $21 million when you have a guy on a rookie-scale contract that could do the exact same thing for you with the same shooting coach? Now, look, of course, developing a jump shot is very, very, very difficult. And I can only imagine the amount of work Lonzo had to put in before he got his brand-new jump shot down. But we're talking about a team that's not a large market. We're talking about a guy that has a huge name despite putting – Average to above average statistics. Some team is going to overpay this guy. You guys can't afford to match that contract. And I think as a result, there was a little bit of a mistake made when Lonzo wasn't traded. And I think he is probably going to move on this offseason. Yeah. So my thing is what you said, the Pelicans aren't a large market. That's working against them because and that's a reason to kind of think about paying Lonzo because who's really coming to New Orleans, you know? Now, I think also, I would like to say I think that's a mistake. I think I think you 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 got to bank on at that point you have to bank on your drafting, you have to bank oh, on yeah. getting those yeah, sneaky yeah, free yeah, agents. Yeah. I think saying that whole, you know, who else is going to come here? I I would love to do like an analysis on that well, and like look into this more uh, like okay, I don't know. Who, I don't know. I think overpaid. that's a valid point. I think that's it's a valid scary, point. It's scary though because then it's, you it's scary, yourself, yeah. You might commit yourself to mediocrity. You might commit it's yourself a chance, to an Anthony Davis-type situation. You know, you think about it, Anthony Davis, the Pelicans, when they had him, they were trying to they were trying to win now. No, I okay, Basically, unpopular always. opinion, there were some good teams around Anthony Davis. I agree uh, that there were some good teams, but yeah. where is he playing right now? I mean, that was going to happen regardless. Kendrick if you commit, was like I'm just mold, saying, if you man. commit that much, like a chunk of salary to Lonzo Ball, like that plays into the futures of both Brandon yeah. Ingram and Zion as well. So, like so check this out. Check this out, Corzim, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Zoe's backup, is averaging 19.3 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists per game, per 36 in March. Since he's become a starter, these are his numbers. That's how good Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been. What? Ha- wait, wait. First of all, guys, you guys did not see this. In a mock podcast, I got ripped for saying per 36. You did. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't you know, remember. Tom, do we have that clip? Do we have the clip? If we do, please play it. But if not, you know. Start with Thad Young at center. Thaddeus wait, Young. Wait, wait. You guys have Thaddeus you Young? Do you watch NBA? Thaddeus I don't watch, I, I don't watch teams like, that aren't even close to competing for the NBA playoffs. There's only so much. second best player. <laughs> You're proud of that? <laughs> he's, I didn't... He's, he's great. Shooting 60%, 12 points per game, six rebounds. You shooting 60% percent from the field? 60%. What? That's literally a stat that only Bulls fans can know. Thaddeus <laughs> <laughs> Young is shooting 60%. That's absurd. I got, I got basketball reference up right here. Per 36 minutes. 17 points per 36 points. minutes. Eight. <laughs> You're not throwing per 36 minutes at us, bro. I got destroyed for Thaddeus okay. Young's per 36. Okay. Well, we got the a text. Is, we, do, we have a clip. We're playing. He's playing close to 36 minutes. So, like, he's he's starting. He's playing, like, 31, 32. So, he's averaging, like, 18 plus in starts. So, Tom this is a little do, different than – Yeah, this is a little different than Thaddeus Young. But I, if, if we ripped you, I'd like to apologize on Flag Mike's behalf. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, so, honestly. so I don't want to. So actually, I wanna no, get a, we, could, we could go back to the the uh, clip of Mike saying that I'm the number one Mike as well. <laughs> if we want to just play a clip show real quick, White Mike, aka the other Mike, the other Mike. You, oh my God, he labeled it. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm number one. You're number one in all of our hearts, Mike. Oh my God, I'm taking that. Let's clip this. Let's actually. You know, this might be a mock pod, but I'm, I'm keeping this forever. Tom, save this. That was a mock pot. I thought that wasn't going to be shown to anyone, but (laughs) 
um, so I want to get that's a, going on our shorts channel. <laughs> I want to get a closing statement because we've been discussing Lonzo before we get to Andre Drummond and whatnot. Coop, in your ideal world, what is Lonzo Ball's fate in New Orleans? What do the Pelicans do? Say, if you're the general manager of the Pelicans, what do they do in the summer? I think if Lonzo wants to be there, you uh, you entertain. Lonzo possibly being there. I, I think if I'm the Pelicans, I want to see more growth from him as a player. If Lonzo ends up showing that, you know, he's the per- he's a great fit next to Zion, which, you know, it already seems like he is. If it seems like he's that guy that can push 16 plus points per game, you know, maybe do a little more off the dribble, continue progressing in the in-between area, get better at finishing to the rim. I don't know what happened from L.A., to New Orleans, it felt like he was much more aggressive attacking the basket in, in L.A. And, and finishing around the rim. But uh, if he shows you those things, I think you definitely let the market play out. And uh, at the end of the day, if if the market dictates that, you know, he's getting 22 plus million, I say, man, um, appreciate your services, though. Fair point. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on from that, a team that has been linked heavily to Lonzo Ball is the Chicago Bulls. Now, what do you think about the whole Lowry marketing, the little rumor that was happening? I don't think that makes any sense. Whoa, Where whoa, are you whoa. playing Lowry? Who, the Pelicans? Yeah. At the five? Where Come on, easy. You're playing, you, okay. If, you if Lowry play, plays the five for the Pelicans, they're scoring every time insane. down the floor. Look, if, if Lowry plays the five for the Pelicans, nobody is stopping them offensively. You okay. can't double-team Zion. The Chicago Bulls, as a fan, have played yeah. this game this year. Larry, Larry, Larry Markin and playing the five. It is. It does not work. It does not work. The man cannot play. De- you Him and Zion? Bro, Stephen Adams can't play defense. Like, look, I'm trying oh, to become man. the best look- offensive team in history. Have you seen Zion Williamson play? I've seen Zion. Put five shoot, put four shooters. Put four shooters or anybody that can shoot the ball can play with Zion Williamson. Okay. If you think Lowry is starting at center for you, you're crazy. I'm not saying crazy. he's ideal. Look, I like Jackson Hayes. I like Jackson Hayes. But I'm saying offensively, Lowry makes the Pelicans a better team. Our defense sucks. Like, our defense is horrific. We probably have one of, if not the worst defense in the NBA. Lowry at center with Zion Williamson drawing triple teams. I don't see how you stop it offensively. Just give me a stretch, man. It's I mean, I, I put you right. at center. Uh, uh, Mike, if you could hit a three. Oh. I'm a little rusty right now. I mean, you know, I'm... Which one? I you? Tr- oh, wait. I'm Korzemba. Guys, for the spot, yeah. I'm Korzemba. I mean, I tried out for the Lakers, and they said, yo, you're way too good. We saw your 1v1 on YouTube, and we don't think that we could have you on our team because it's probably the most broken thing since the Brooklyn Nets. So, All right, anyway, so it. Chicago Bulls made a nice trade for um, Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> Just messing with you. Mike, what was your... For everyone back home, what was your basketball experience growing up? Uh, my basketball experience growing up? Yeah. Like playing it or watching it? Playing, playing. So throughout my entire life, I have been the most uncoordinated, like most unathletic person ever. A uh, typical story of like me stepping onto a basketball court. Obviously, you know, you saw that beautiful jumper in my only 1v1 on YouTube and as a result, I kind of said, all right, clearly I'm I can't ever become like really good at playing basketball, but I could get really good or somewhat good at analyzing the game and at the X's and O's of the game. So 
I've been watching basketball since I want to say like two years before LeBron came into the league. Um, all right. So this is a confession. I'm only going to make it on the pod. I actually started out as a Dallas Mavericks fan. Um, oh, was, my God. So I was born in Texas. We were living in Texas and clip we, clip it. <laughs> I, I, I'm admitting it. And hold on. Hold on. Bear in mind, like by the time I made my transition, we moved to Los Angeles in the fall of 2003. So this is when the Lakers made their big super team with Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe Bryant, Shaq. And it was already in the it was the beginning of the season. And I said, OK, you know, it's a little bit more convenient for me to jump ship onto the Lakers, mainly because I want to be able to root for my home team. You know, I want to be oh able to go to games. Oh, my God. You wanted to <laughs> just root for a winner. What is happening? I'm all right. Hold on. First of all, first of all, I, although back then I'd consider it bandwagon. You had Kobe. I mean, what? yeah, I had Kobe. Wait, I were we gonna pretend I, like on. Kobe wasn't around? Well, look, what we, were you about to say? What were you about to say? Yeah, for, what, why didn't you jump onto the Clippers? Well, They're right because, there. Uh, too much pain. I can't. I can't jump onto too the Clippers. Much pain. Also, yeah, yeah, I'm sure course, you, as a, a teenager, young teenager, was a Yo, no, no, no. I was pain. ten, dude. You're, you're. I was ten freaking years old. When, when do people establish their fandoms? Now, look. All I'm saying is, you could have had Luca. Um. <laughs> Well, look, um, I was a fan throughout the tough years, you know, throughout the whole Kobe and Shaq split up. I didn't even get to enjoy the good years of Kobe and Shaq. They didn't win a championship until the late 2000s when I became a fan. I went through the tough times, watched all the incredible Kobe performances, was honestly really inspired by him and just the way he approached the game and the way he approached preparation. Um, probably my most fondest moment was the day we pulled the great heist of Pau Gasol because I, I remember being in high school and the entire like our entire school was like cheering some kid that would bully me back then, like came and hugged me and said, from now on, we're friends. Like it was a beautiful day. What the? And uh, yeah, I've been rocking Sounds with the like Lakers. A Disney movie. Yeah, it was very Disney movie like. Um, All right. I- so you would liken your Lakers fandom to that of a Disney movie original character. I mean, I do believe that- <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with that. Honestly, if that's what you like, you know, if you're talking about bullying and that, you know, the Lakers got you through this and that made you, you know, more likable to people, then never mind. I'll back. Up. I mean, I, I'd say that, like, as I grew up, um, yeah, I was picked on a lot growing up and uh, Kobe Bryant got me through all of it because, you know, the Mamba mentality, you know, pushing through, uh, pushing through anything that. You weren't able to do and doing whatever it takes to get there. I was like a C student. I wasn't the most attractive kid. I was like this chubby kid. So it kind of goes a little bit deeper than, oh, these guys are great at basketball and I'm going to be a fan of them because there's also the lessons that Kobe Bryant gives for like inspiration and whatnot, which is why I became a uh, Laker fan and I'm still a Laker fan to this day. Guys, I was I was trolling a little bit, I'd like to say, because I'm a Chicago Bulls fan and I was born and still live in New Jersey. So there's not really any logic to that. However, I would like to say, you know, same thing like with Kobe. We had the Michael Jordan influence going on there. And then I don't know why, but like I just always knew that Jason Kidd sucked. So you became a Bulls fan because of Michael Jordan and because you and then thought- I stuck around. Um, to be honest, I was a completely huge college basketball fan, middle school and high school, and actually like didn't watch the NBA as much. Like watched the NBA, of course, but 
college basketball was my number one at that point. You're gonna and you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this. I remember following I was a Duke Blue Devils fan. Yes, my favorite player like growing up when I was like an eight year old was Jay Williams, and I was so hyped when the Bulls drafted him. And I was oh my so god, miserable. I met Jay Williams. Um, I did this thing at ESPN, and I met Jay Williams, and he like you know I was like working with him. We me and him did this like broadcast thing with Jay Williams, and. He was the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Like out of every single person I've ever met, like, you know, YouTube wise, like any opportunity wise, um, I've never just, you know, Jay Williams didn't have to be nice to me at all. Like he took the time out of his like, you know, personal time. We just sat there. We talked basketball for like 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is real. Cause I'm a Bulls fan and a Duke fan. And you know, he didn't, he got drafted by the Bulls, but you know, Duke legend. That was sick. So I came into this uh, podcast waiting to, you know, gloat about my team's greatness over here. I don't know if you guys heard, but the Los Angeles Lakers went ahead and probably pulled off the greatest move of the year when they signed probably the best traditional center in the NBA who was just available to him. Wait, what what? is traditional? Does that mean dinosaur of a center? Yeah, does that mean nobody wants him? Well, well, I mean, I guess nobody wanted him because no one no, wanted to even you know trade what? the no, no one second wanted round pick. That was yeah. what happened. In my I, opinion, yeah. though, this is worse than the Brooklyn Nets getting Aldridge and Blake Griffin. This is that's just my opinion, though. It, Andre Drummond's still like in the prime of his career, and the Lakers got him for like free. Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge are like they're yeah. I will. I, I agree with that. I agree with that statement that it's like okay, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, you know. Whatever they're gonna be, they're gonna be. They're older. They're they might you know come through with some bench moments. Blake just had seventeen recently, so I don't knows? think I don't think. You but but comp- Andre Drummond is twenty seven years old. Yeah, like okay? he's playing for so, another contract. Like you know. Like, yeah, he is. But okay, so here is the point that I will make with that statement that he's playing with an, another contract is that if you look, if if you I mean I know a lot of us have not been watching Cavaliers games. And I know a lot of us have not been watching Pistons games in the last two whoa. years. I know, yeah, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. Shocking. Relax. I know. We haven't been watching the games. If you look at what Andre Drummond has been producing at base value, of course, he is a monster. The man right now is averaging 17 and a half points per game. He is also averaging, pulling it up on basketball reference, 13.5 rebounds, 1.6 steals, 1.2 blocks. Sounds amazing. All right. But then you look. Then you look, dig deeper. Andre Drummond, somehow 13th in the NBA at usage percentage this year. 13th, okay? Going even further. That's that's in the 98th percentile, by the way. Ahead of uh, names such as Jason Tatum, Kawhi, Zach Levine, Andre Drummond. Going even further. Points per shot attempt. Shout out to cleaningtheglass.com. Andre Drummond, 11th percentile. 11th, all right? So out of 100 NBA players, 89 are better. When it okay, quick question for Zimba. Who's the best playmaker yes. Drummond's played with? Serious question. Who do you think is the best one? Um, um, I don't know. That would, we'd, have yeah. to, we'd have to look that up. We'd have to look that up. That's yeah. not the problem here. The problem is that Andre Drummond believes himself to be that playmaker right now. Okay? Before you go on that tangent, before you go on that tangent, all right? There is a thing of a player's mindset, okay? And there are tendencies that are hard for a player to just rewrite and to rewire, especially in the middle of the season, okay? It's very easy to say that Andre Drummond has not been playing with a better playmaker, that he's not had a guy to get him the ball 
that's great. Okay. Andre Drummond, though, if you watch him play, if you watch what his game is, consistently taking the ball on horrible drives to the basket, early shot clock attempts, missing, consistently isoing, consistently posting up. Okay. These are things that I don't think if you compare them to people are comparing this to like a Dwight Howard scenario. That sounds exactly like Dwight Howard. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. No, no. Correct. It's Dwight Howard when Dwight Howard was still getting everyone pissed off at him and losing games. Dwight Howard, when he went to the Lakers, he went at the age of 34. He went when he already made his money, when he already was good. And he was just trying to win a ring. Andre Drummond, like you said yourself, is trying to get paid. He is not going to be cool no, with he taking knows, that role. He knows he of, can get paid in Dwight that Howard. role. He knows. He I can. agree. Wait, wait, listen. I agree that he can get paid if he does the right things. If he, in but, that role, he's definitely getting paid. But when, but so in the same in the same way that you say, when does he play with a ball with a playmaker? My question is, when has he played like that? What? Why are you banking on him suddenly playing the correct way for a traditional big man? Because, because he wants to get paid. Age big man. Be, Why are you look, if, St- if I look at Steven Adams and I see Steven Adams get $30 million just grabbing some boards and playing some defense in a contract season with the Los Angeles Lakers, you can't look better. at past that- contracts because those guys aren't getting money like that anymore. Look, look All right, can they I, can just I... extended them for $18 million, Corzimba. They just gave Steven Adams an $18 million extension. Like, come on. like Okay, well, that's a horrible the, extension. That, right, and, and Drum is going to find a horrible team to get that horrible extension from. Yeah, so like... But that's the, get, the, the point of this isn't, is he going to make money? The point is, is he going to... What yeah, is he I, to I, your I, team? Look, he's, man, he, I know if you're coming from a team where your usage is chalked all the way up because everyone else around you isn't necessarily... I don't want to hate on Colin Sexton that is and Darius Carl okay, Garland and whatnot. Hold on, hold up, hold up, hold up. He's up. creating this usage. Hold on, I'm doing the same thing. Is as a center if, to get a usage that high? If I play in Detroit and Cleveland, I'm probably doing the same thing. I'm not going to lie to you. Look, Yeah, man. but then that's the problem is that your habits eventually, it's like, okay, how do you reprogram this? So wait, it's learned behavior. You're telling me the Los Angeles Lakers who have this huge gaping hole at the traditional center position that was left by the void made by JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard getting a 27 year old that pretty much plays the same exact way as a prime Dwight Howard, because these are the exact same issues a prime Dwight Howard had with his horrible play in the post. And what are you talking cr- right, no, 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 about? These are the same exact issues that a prime. No, literally I'm saying fine. A circa first stint with the Lakers, Dwight Howard too much uh, or like the Houston Rockets version of Dwight Howard trying to make too many play, uh, plays in the post where he clearly doesn't excel at. You're telling me that the Lakers getting a player that is pretty much going to be their lob threat, who's 27 years old, who could also provide some semblance of defense. Bear in mind, he is catching lobs from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Those are going to be a lot of wide-open lob alley-oop opportunities, and I'm sure there's going to be a discussion in place that is going to go along the lines of, Andre, you want to get paid? You saw us get Dwight Howard's bum ass a contract who clearly can't what? play Dwight anymore. Got the vet He's still in the NBA. Dwight Howard should not be in the NBA. That's, and the that, Lakers was, that, made... that was a point against you. What do you mean that's a point? They made they made Dwight Dwight Howard is playing in the NBA this year. He's right. playing. That's not he, a crazy he currently thing. That's has a, a contract. Statement. That's a what W. Congrats. He made a, the vet minimum. I mean, that's still a dub. He's still in the NBA. If the Sixers have... <laughs> if anything, that is a horror tale for Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond wants a four-year contract. He I know. I'm not saying that type of contract, hey, hey. but they pretty much... This whole situation they pretty is, much is... Okay, 
I, listen, wait, listen. I would like to put my official stance out there that, first of all, for the Lakers, this is, of course, a no-brainer because you're getting a free player. So why wouldn't you? It, doesn't, it makes of no course, sense to not course. try. To not try. Okay. With that in mind, I'm, I'm just stating that could this all work out? Yeah, sure. It Probably going to work out. out. Yeah, it could work out. out. It could it could work out great. But there's a reason why no one was willing to trade for him. There's a reason why the Pistons didn't. The Pistons traded for him. He, he's nothing. making thirty million. I wouldn't want to trade for him either. Yeah, he's, he's an expiring contract this year. He's a, he's a, you, you still have to give up assets to get him, and you have to give it, up good assets to likely get to thirty million. It was a foregone conclusion, also, that he was going to get bought out. It's. It's the same. It he was had the no same trade thing. value. It was the same thing with Blake Griffin. The same thing with Lamarcus Aldridge. They came out and they announced, "Hey, we're trying to trade this guy, but if no one is going to trade him, trade for him." Okay, we're again, buy him I, out. if if Andre Drummond buys into this role, then sure. Yo, but he's already he's already I, went on record saying like I'm causing havoc. I'm oh my boards. god, people, I'm doing people, whatever I got to do. Andre Drummond like talking. I'm so no no no. Look, so look, look. you've seen players buy I'm, I'm into roles sure Ben roles Simmons has been, got on record and said that he practiced jump shots for the last four seasons, but I haven't seen anything there. This guy, if reads Dwight Howard could buy, if a past his prime Dwight Howard could buy into this role, I'm pretty confident a 27 so year old different. Andre Drummond. So and again, again, I'm not even stating you're wrong, but I'm saying so different. A 34-year-old Dwight Howard Simmons, compared to a 27-year-old Andre Drummond. If Ben so Simmons was leading the league in three-point attempts, then I would believe him. But Drummond's already leading the league in boards. He's already averaging nearly two blocks a game. He's already been a menace on the defensive side. All he has to do is take less shots and finish lobs and dunks. He's trying you, to get paid, though. We can't pretend. Okay, I haven't finished my final thought. Of, okay, go First, ahead. we can't pretend that the locker room, that team chemistry is not a thing here. Okay, we've seen team chemistry and locker room problems ruin teams, all right? If Andre Drummond, who again, we all know, we can we all agree he's trying to get paid. We all can, we can all agree with that, okay? If the man, I think I'm sure right away it's going to be all fine and everything. It is a horrible look to get benched during playoff games. That is something that Dwight Howard didn't really have to worry about, okay? If you're trying to get $20 million a year and you're getting benched for playoff games, I, I mean, it had that, that is, go, that, that's not that affects you. Can't, you can't I feel like, that, that, okay. So I, I'm saying, I'm saying that right away. Yeah, things might look like they're working out. They might end up working out if you yeah. know, he does fit right into the offense and if like they're succeeding and you know he keeps playing it. But if he's not getting the numbers or if he starts to feel like okay, this isn't going to get me the payday I want, things can turn south. No, that's all I'm saying. I don't. I mean, this guy after all wrong. this, no that's really what, what I'm saying. I mean, I, I guess there's a possibility. Go. I'll give you that. This. This this guy's a LeBron fan. Like I, I think he's bought in. Um, what were you gonna say, Flight? No, Mike? Look, man, no matter what, it's a perfect fit. There's a reason why Drummond took many meetings with like the Hornets, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Clippers, and, and eventually came to the conclusion, I'm gonna go play for Le- the Los Angeles Lakers, which is a large market team on LeBron James team with Anthony Davis and a bunch of shooters in an offense that fair, typically prioritizes Anthony Davis's ability to create in the post as well. Although we haven't seen him play in a while. I'm sure there was a thing that went on in his head that, hey, if I'm a major contributor, if I do my thing, which is literally just grab rebounds, get my two yeah. blocks per game, catch alley-oops, and make and be a huge role player in the Lakers making a run to the NBA Finals, then he's yeah. that's probably the best way he could get paid. That he is a center, a starting center 
on a championship team. If DeAndre Jordan, and I'm sure, of course, DeAndre Jordan had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving say, hey, we want to play with DeAndre Jordan. But if DeAndre Jordan could get the amount that he got for, uh, as a result of his relationship with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, then I'm sure Andre Drummond could get some amount in the future as a result of a successful championship run or even a fringe championship run with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think that I think there's a little bit too much reaching going here and saying, hey, Andre Drummond's going to come in say and say, I want a big contract. I have to be the focal point of an offense that features Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Just throw him lobs and he can like it doesn't get easier. It doesn't look for his play style. You said it yourself. He's terrible in the post. Probably his easiest po uh, points are going to come from lobs. And I'm sure he's going to catch a lot of those. And he's probably going to make a name for himself and finally get recognition for being the rebounding champ over the t past four years in the NBA. Something that we probably slept on because he was on Detroit in Cleveland. Okay, something else we have slept on. Let's um, look at. His shooting act. You know what? I'm, I'm not. The thing is, I'm not fully disagreeing with you. I still think that Andre Drummond could end up making a huge contribution. I'm just saying that in terms of maybe some of the expectations that people are having, I think that should be reined in. You know, what are the are expectations going, that people are having? I've I've seen multiple people go third star. We've we got ourselves I mean, another all star. All of that. No, nah, I don't I don't I don't agree with that at all. I and I think it's I don't I think it's just very silly to automatically brand him as another star because honestly branding any player as a star whenever the Lakers are in a locker room typically uh, a star going to another star saying hey I'm the most important player on the team typically results in toxicity you look at the Brooklyn Nets and the way they're handling you look at the way the Miami Heat big 3 handled things it was there was a lot of yeah we're all stars and obviously, some of us are better than others. We should try to figure yeah. out a way to make this work. I, so I also think I'm sorry to cut you off there, Mike, but I also think when you go to the Lakers, you know what you're getting yourself into. Like when people go to play with LeBron James, like they typically buy into their roles, you know, I and, think that's OK. Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I yeah. think that's sure that's you. That's easy to say, you know, like I'm going to play into my role. But then maybe it's not as easy like for them to actually deal with. We saw it on the Cavs multiple times. We saw guys kind of wilt under the pressure. We saw guys that looked like they would feel well, that it yeah. didn't work out. I, I see well what you're there. saying, but I don't think so, there's like, as much pressure to just grab boards, block some shots, get some steals. Oh, there's and, definitely pressure. I mean, he's playing. He's going I mean, he's from been doing winning. it his he's whole He's the complete career. opposite of what we were talking about with Lonzo. Like he's going from a, like a situation where like was anyone even watching his games to suddenly – He's much wa must watch now. Yeah, but he's not going to forget and how to he do is these the new things. Guy. I think. I agree. I listen. I agree. If he does yeah. his role, of course. If he does his role right, you know. You know what's interesting be, though? I'll give you this. Phenomenal. You made a point about him getting played or um, potentially getting benched in the playoffs. I think that's a real possibility because you know, I mean, we've seen Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, uh, insert random big here, you know, get benched. That's time that's and time my, again. That's one of my things too. When yeah. especially because you saw Dwight. When you get get a player like Dwight who's 34, it's different for him. Like that's why I don't think the comparison is like Andre Drummond is looking for that next payday. He really is looking for that like you know four year 80 million whatever he wants. He said he was a max player, you know whatever that is. But but he's looking for that that big payday. And so just benching someone like that, that's kind of that messes with his head a lot more than benching with someone someone like Dwight who you know he's on the vet min this year. Like great. 
I'm sure there, and this is going to be my closing statement on this, um, but I'm sure there's something in his head that understands that, hey, if we're going to go up against the Denver Nuggets in a playoff series, it's the Western Conference Finals. And I, I'm disagreeing with you already. You really what? think in his head that a man who's averaging, that is an NBA all-star, that who is averaging, that has a usage percentage of 30% because he's shooting uh, and taking the ball so much this year. That's mm-hmm. averaging close to 18 points, 13 rebounds a game. You really think he's going to be okay with just getting benched? You really I mean, think that? it depends on the situation. I'm sure that in his head, oh, he's thinking, hey, I'd much rather be benched than have Nikola Jokic torch me on national television in the Western Conference or in the second round. Of I don't the think NBA any competitor in the world would say that. Can They'd I say rather this? be on the bench than letting someone else get torched? What? I mean, there's film sessions, man. There's times where they're saying to these players, this is our game plan he's and here's why. trying to get paid. He will if get paid. If, if guys, paid, guys, guys. I think we can agree on one thing. We all feel bad for Montrez Harrell who went there like on a cheaper deal, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's a good yeah, point. That sucks. You look at Montrez Harrell, and he's a pretty good example of this, Mike. Um, well, Corzamba. Because Montrez Harrell is the definition of a player that crushes it in all basic statistical categories. But when you get into those seven-game series and the NBA playoffs, we're talking about the sixth man of the year here. He is such a mismatch on the defensive end. He gets absolutely abused. I remember the reason, apparently, why Doc Rivers got fired is there was an analytic that was presented to him that the Los Angeles Lakers were a net negative 34.5 with Montrez Harrell on the floor. And when they subbed in Avica Zubak, that number went up to, like some, I think, something like 0.5. I'm saying it off the top of my head. So I'm going fa- to fact check that. And as a result, the Clippers lost to the Denver Nuggets. And as a result, Doc Rivers got fired. So you saw Montrez Harrell got paid two years, 20 million this year. One of the years are partially guaranteed. So at the very worst, I can imagine Andre Drummond getting something like that. But his skill set is a little bit more sought after in the NBA than Montrez Harrell's, in my opinion. I mean, my closing statements on Andre Drummond are the man is currently shooting the second worst field goal percentage on layups in the entire NBA. Somehow Kelly Oubre is first shooting about 38% from on free throw attempts, which is its own discussion. I don't know how anyone is shooting 38%, but Andre Drummond as a center is shooting about 43%, second worst in the entire NBA. And he currently is in the bottom three percentage, bottom three percent percentile at finishing at the rim as a center. Okay. So just, Coop, Let's see Coop, what happens. Um, because again, James... especially when it comes to the playoffs, we'll see what happens when it comes to offensive and defensive mismatches. And I don't think it's as simple. Who knows what on, you know, behind the scenes, but is it as simple as benching Andre Drummond as it was benching, uh, you know, Dwight Howard, who's Andre Drummond's agent that comes into play plenty of times when it comes Jeff to playing time and stuff like that. Who else does he represent? Do you know? Because I'm because I'm sure Andre Drummond just did not sign with the Lakers over a bunch of other teams. Uh, Jeff Schwartz just to sit on the just to sit on the bench. Come represents playoffs. Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, Chris Middleton, Kevin Love, Jokic, Ingram, Jamal Murray, Aldridge. He's a big time agent. And DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. So, yeah. so 
He's and definitely got some pull. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Spe- speaking uh Coop, do you have anything to add? Um, no, nah, I just think uh we'll see a, a different version of Drummond in LA, but you know, that remains to be seen. It's gonna be fun. I look forward to it. I'm I'm gonna look forward to coming back to this podcast when you know the Lakers <laughs> repeat as NBA champions, but I I will just put I will just say that I that I said that it was, you know, basically a free thing and that I wasn't fully hating on him. I was just this entire time, I'd like to say, guys, that I'm playing devil's advocate based on, you know, the other two guys, at least. But you know what? I'll take the fall. If if Andre Drummond sucks, I mean, if he's amazing, I'll take the fall because I definitely have hated on him at least a little bit. Right. So speaking of super teams, the Brooklyn Nets, guys, this is a conversation that I've wanted to have with you guys for quite some time because There's two sides to this. You know, if you go on any social media, Twitter, Instagram or anything, you either have the people saying, oh, my God, how did the NBA veto the Chris Paul trade to team Chris Paul up with Kobe Bryant and allow the Brooklyn Nets to have LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on a team. On the other hand, you have people saying LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin are washed and you shouldn't necessarily care that they're deciding to join the Brooklyn Nets because their value is marginal at best. So where do you guys stand on the fact that the Brooklyn Nets were able to compile all these former All-Stars that combined for 41 All-Star appearances? I mean, they got a lot of guys that are old. <laughs> like, you know, are we, are we really counting Blake, DeAndre and LaMarcus as we're counting their All-Stars in this? That's what people do typically to like. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know it. if I really, I don't know if I really care about all those. I mean, you know, I think they'll be great role players for him. I think uh, Blake's going to be big for him, but uh, you know, I'm not really concerned about all their all star appearances. Uh, I, I'll say this: I think the Nets' walk or run to the NBA championship isn't going to be as easy as a lot of people think that it's going to be. I like the, I like Philadelphia a lot, man. They got a lot of versatile defenders: uh, Simmons, Thibault. I mean. The 76ers are a devastating team, and I, and I still don't think the Nets have anybody that can defend Joel Embiid. I'm not sure anybody in the league has anybody that can defend Joel when he's healthy, so I'll say that. No, yeah. I mean, he was he was the MVP headed into the break. Yeah. And now, I mean, kind of a side note here, but what do you guys think about the MVP race this year? Because Ooh. suddenly we had – we walked into the All-Star game with two – like, it was clear-cut candidates, correct? Well, there was yeah. three. There was yeah. Joel Embiid, LeBron, and then there was Jokic. Two of those guys have dropped out of the race, it looks like. Have you seen the Vegas odds? Right now, no. Jokic, clear-cut favorite, not even close. Who's after him? What do you guys Harden? think about that? Is uh, Harden what? after him? Is Harden next Harden time? was, uh, the last time I checked, which was a few days ago, Harden was plus 1,100. So if for anyone that doesn't know, if you bet uh, $10, you would win $110. Okay, and Jokic was minus one ten, which is if you bet ten dollars, you would only win nine dollars back. You'd win nine bucks. He's he's literally favored again. You wouldn't even win all of your money back. That's how favored he is. Wow. And I think second was Giannis. Yeah, I I have it in front of me, and Giannis is second. I automatically am going to cross out Giannis. I, I think there's it's impossible. No, there's I think no it's chance. impossible. There's no chance that he wins MVP three years in a row. Um. I think my favorites at this time, and obviously this is depending on how the rest of the season plays out. Jokic, I'm rooting for him. 
I really have been rooting for a way for centers to make a comeback. And that's why I'm automatically like standing for Jokic and Bede. Anyone that's a center, I'm behind you because I really want to see a NBA that also sees dominant centers in addition to dominant point forwards and dominant guards. Um, but for me, it's going to be between Jokic and Damian Lillard. And if Luka could make a late, late season push, then him as well. And I think it's going to be between those three. Dame. Oh, man. I forgot all about Dame, man. Dame has been – this guy is unbelievable, bro. Dame, Dame's been great. But, like, I mean, just taking a look at his numbers from last year to this year, it's He's, just – it doesn't – so um, so the MVP – traditionally had a lot of storyline plays into it. And I would, I feel right. like the Jokic storyline is not as built up as it should be. And that is partially part of the reason why someone could definitely come in and sneak in and win it. We could see a Harden. We could see a Dame. But if you look at Jokic's stats, if you look at what he's doing in Denver this season, he's been incredible. He's been unreal. I don't think he's just getting enough media attention possibly um, that's propelling him for you know the clear-cut winner, even though currently – Vegas odds do does have him as the number one, but I mean, what do you guys think? I think he's not getting enough credit for the season he's putting up. Jokic isn't. I agree. He he's putting up near triple double stats as a center, which is amazing to watch. Uh, to watch, Unreal. and he's crushing it with scoring as well. It's pretty much everything you'd want in a center, plus the ability to create offense for his teammates. So. I really like what I'm seeing from Jokic. I think it could even result in a potential revolution in the NBA. Not even this year, but if he somehow is able to even build upon this next year, I feel like, and this is super bold, so you guys could come back and roast me for this if I'm wrong. I feel like he could eventually create the NBA's next big offensive revolution in a year if he's able to build upon what he's doing this year as well. But currently, I do agree. uh, I do agree with you in the sense that the problem is he's in Denver. The problem with Dame is he's in Portland. And I hate this. Even as a Laker fan, I hate this. The fact that they're in smaller markets and they don't have as many nationally televised games means less people really get to watch how amazing these athletes are and they don't get to appreciate their games as much. So I think that's going to work against him and someone could potentially leapfrog him to steal that MVP from him. Yeah, um, I'd say, well, you know, hopefully the the voters of the award, I'm sure. I, I think Jokic is going to end up with it. But uh, as to your comment about leading a revolution, first of all, how insane is it that this man is 26 years old? He just turned 26. Amazing. Like, like we're watching Jokic right now and we're going, I can't believe what he's doing. But his game, as long as, I mean, everything holds up, his game is definitely not re- like overly reliant on ath- athleticism. So we could be watching Nikola Jokic dominate this league for a long time. Um, anyway, as to your point as to a center revolution, my only, my big problem with that would be what we're watching in Jokic is something I don't think you could replicate. I don't think you could recreate this. It's his court vision and his just basketball IQ and his creativity when it comes to basketball is unmatched it's on one of those you know levels especially at the center position it's on one of those steve nash magic johnson you know type levels i would say of creating for your teammates i don't think you're gonna have many seven footers growing up around the i don't think it's possible for many seven footers growing up around the world 
to recreate that. You know, you can get guys that can learn to shoot the three. Like Steph, you know, his whole thing, you know, I mean, he wasn't the only one that started shooting threes a ton more, but a lot of people have, you know, pointed to Steph as the key to the surge in three-point shooting. And all it takes for that is for people to go and start practicing practicing threes more, practicing their shooting more. You can't practice court vision. You can't practice basketball IQ to that extent. Yes, you can watch film and everything, but there are some things that you're just born with. It's kind of fascinating for a guy that, one, was drafted in the second round, and two, is famous for drinking three liters of Coca-Cola every day. How I mean, what 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 is the story with that? With him, do you guys remember? Um, first of all, it's gotten swept under the the rug. The Joel and Bead Shirley Temple stories. I mean, we never hear that anymore. But do you remember he used to get pictures of Shirley Temple sent to his room daily? It was said, and only chicken fingers. You got you don't know this, Mike. I did not know this. I saw you know him eat a like cheeseburger uh, before when he was game. a young when he was a young player. Joel Embiid nightly would have pictures of Shirley Temple sent to his room and chicken fingers to the point where like it, like the national media picked it up and ran stories on it. And he either does it in secret now, maybe he's sipping temples in secret. I don't know, but I haven't heard of it since. I usually drink three or four sh- pictures of Shirley Temple's a day. That's what he said. I'm not going to I don't know what a Shirley Temple is. It's like oh a, it's like a, um, it's like seven up or Sprite mixed with this like ch- cherry syrup. Imagine like Sprite with a lot more sh- like sugar flavoring. Yeah. It. It's like a cherry. Yeah. That's oh, a good way to put it. Okay. And like, it could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, but he's talking about the non-alcoholic one. Pretty sure if he was drinking four pictures of alcoholic <laughs> temples, he might be, <laughs> yeah, he might have uh... a lot more problems than just, um, potential diabetes so i wanted to um talk to you guys a bit about the uh brooklyn nets additions if you don't mind uh, uh, me taking that conversation back there how do you guys feel about the brooklyn nets ability to add lamarcus aldridge add blake griffin are you intimidated as an eastern Con- well you know your bulls aren't necessarily in the t- uh, championship hunt but as someone that's in the Eastern Conference, a fan of a team in the Eastern Conference, are you intimidated of it at all? Or are you just viewing it the same way as these are just some washed veterans that want to team up with their buddies and potentially make a run? That's a good question for uh, two reasons. The first is like what it's like to be a fan of a team that right now you're going through like the the Brooklyn Nets days, the Lakers and everything. It's kind of like we're making the playoffs this year as a Bulls fan would be incredible. Next year, next season, you know, our biggest hope would be to make the second round, I'd imagine. Um, so as a fan, am I intimidated? No, because I don't, we're just not in that level. They're playing in a different level than us right now. But as a fan of just the NBA in general, I would say this creates another question. Um, what do you think about the buyout market? Because, yeah, you got guys, I'm sure – I'm sure Aldridge and Blake are going to have their moments. I, I would imagine oh, yeah, that they're going to sure. have their moments come playoff time. I think that they're going to contribute. Coop, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they'll contribute yeah. for sure. I think I think that like, and I think having more veterans in the locker room is always a great thing, especially guys that are buying to the system, especially guys like this that want rings. Like they are all, you know, clearly ring chasing. 
which I guess it has a negative connotation, but they, they're all playing for a ring right now. Um, that leads to a, a larger question, though. What do you think about the buyout market? Because I saw this was, the I think, maybe the top post on Reddit today, on NBA Reddit, where a lot of people were complaining with the buyout market because they don't think that you should just be able to get some guy that this season's making around $30 million for a million dollars. You know, they just kind of just decide, hey, we're going to go with the Nets. Hey, we're going to go with the Lakers, you know. A lot of people have been saying things like, oh, maybe you should have to uh, pay off that player's contract for the rest of the season. A lot of people have said things like, oh, they should have, you know, you should at least have to pay off 20%, 10%. What do you think as it stands? Because right now it's a current situation where the rich just get richer. Right I, now it's, okay, who are the top teams in the East and the West? They're going to get the bio guys. So my solution to it would be something very similar to the way the Lakers waved and stretched Luol Deng. And I think that they need to be responsible for a chunk of their salary that counts against their salary cap over the next five years or something along that line. Something that isn't absolutely crippling, but something that will make them think, okay, you know, is this a guy that could really help us? Should we even consider bringing him along or something like that? Because I did. So you're saying reverse. Yeah. Right. Because what you're talking about is the stretch provision where you were able to stretch a guy's contract out over several years. But you're talking about that basically as in reverse. Like if you were to take in a guy, you would get a stretch provision type thing. Yeah. You take in a guy and then you have to pay off. I don't know what value that would be because I'm just thinking of this right now, but pay off a portion of his salary that he was originally getting or a percentage of that over the next couple of years. Because also, you have to bear in mind, this has never happened before in NBA history. There has been a buyout market, but there's never been a buyout market where, you know, a play where like two players that are two years removed from being all stars and two in Aldridge's case, he's two years removed from being on an all NBA second team where they're able to just walk on to a championship contender. Now, Aldridge is 35. His numbers did take a dip. Blake Griffin has knee issues, and he's not the player that he once was. But it's uh, you could also make a counter-argument to this because Blake Griffin, what's the difference between Blake Griffin this year and Darren Williams when the Cavaliers were able to sign him when he was extremely washed many years ago? Yeah. Well, I guess, that, I guess my thing would be, like you said, you have to – or I would like to see so there be some kind of risk here because that's the whole thing with the Andre Drummond situation. That's the whole thing with Blake. That's the whole thing with all of this is that at the end of the day, there's no risk. So it really, that's why it's the rich getting richer because if it doesn't work out with Andre Drummond, who cares? You know, like you, it just doesn't work out. You just don't play him. If he is really that big of a locker room problem, you go, okay, you know, take a seat by you're gone. Like, there's literally no risk. So, I think you'd have to present some kind of risk. Any ideas on what kind of risk, Coop? What would you think? Um, no, it's just, uh, my. I'm with you. Like, you know, there's no risk. And I think the Drummond signing, again, is 50 times worse than the Brooklyn Nets getting LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. Because, you know, we're disagreeing on Drummond, you know, wanting to get whatever he's playing for, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the I day, feel like I'm getting. Get, I feel like he's, he's, he's going to get a nice contract. I feel like we're going to look back at this, and I'm going to get destroyed. And this is our first podcast. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I can't wait until Andre Drummond drops a 30 and 30 game in the playoffs, and everyone's just flooding <laughs> to this. And I'm just like, 
Oh my god. I'm gonna be ready. I have the tweets scheduled and my drafts and everything. Oh goodness. But my whole point is that this that, you know what? I think I started my point off too strongly. I think I should have No 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 because like, don't backtrack now. What you said you said. Own it, bro. You gotta I'm own afraid. it. Seriously. You gotta own it, bro. Fire. We can't I can't edit around it. No, you got um staring so, in space. Thank so you. So, by the way, I don't think what she necessarily said about Drummond is so bad. The way I took it was, hey, this is a guy that people are branding as the third star of the Lakers, and he shouldn't be viewed as, like, a third in the big three. And I actually do agree with that. But I really agree with Coop because what what Andre Drummond is doing, what the Lakers are doing with Andre Drummond, in my opinion, is significantly worse than Blake Griffin signing with the Nets. Or LaMarcus Aldridge signing with How the much Nets money did Drummond a- give back? Like, they bought him out for $30 million? Like, are you kidding me? How, like, how much money did the Cavs and Drummond, like, agree on in that situation? Does anybody know? I have no idea. I think the plan, actually, for the Cavs was, okay, we're going to we're gonna trade for Andre Drummond. We're going to pump his usage up, and then we're going to try to flip him. And it just completely backfired could, on that. Yeah, I mean, that could be that could be... That could be a thing. So I I do agree that something needs to be done in terms of a player that is literally 27 years old in his prime and his ability to waltz onto one of the top teams in the West to try to make a run at the champion uh, at an NBA uh, finals. I understand that I'm a Laker fan, but two years ago when the NBA was literally being composed of dynamic duos, Conley joining the jazz Kawhi and Paul George joining the Clippers, Anthony Davis and uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the Lakers, Russ and James Harden on the Rockets. I loved it. Like I thought, hell yeah, it's about time. We get a nice competitive season where it's about dynamic duos and not necessarily about super teams and it seems almost as if we're getting like a complete seesaw to the other side where all where the Brooklyn Nets are stockpiling, the Los Angeles Lakers are stockpiling, the Clippers are attempting to make moves. But for the most part, I'm just seeing those two. And I feel like it does ruin the competitive balance in the league, which is bad for the future of the game. Yeah, but I guess I mean that's that's hard to solve because that's kind of just how it's always been, you know. Like, yeah. There's always the top. Teams I mean, I think then. every outside of football, I think every league is like that. I think even soccer is like pretty similar. So, you know, yeah. what can you I mean, do? if yeah, I mean, I would you know, say that looking at looking right now, though, we do have two teams in Utah and Phoenix. I mean. We are looking at like, okay, the, the rich get richer and everything come playoffs. But right now, the Utah Jazz are the number one seed. The Phoenix Suns are number two. Yeah, in the West. Yeah. Can't get much better than that from uh, last year, you know, and in terms of competitive the balance. Jazz are there's amazing. a lot of teams. The Jazz are amazing. I mean, I like, the way they play I, basketball is special. I, yeah, I really, one of the things that made me the saddest as a basketball fan, and this is despite this team being like our rivals was watching the way Greg Popovich's offensive system seemed to have died. And honestly, watching the Utah Jazz and the way they play kind of makes me reminisce a little bit more about those great Popovich uh, motion offenses of the early 2010s. So I really am like a part of me is rooting for the Jazz as well. Um, I would like this to be solved somehow, though, for the future. 
an interesting thing. I don't know if you guys follow the NFL. There's a rule in the NFL that some people even argue ruins NFL free agency, and it's called the franchise tag. Do you guys know what it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what would you think of the NBA potentially bringing a franchise tag to its free agency? No. I, feel like, I feel like the players hate it. So yeah, like no. right? of course it's yeah, anti yeah. it's okay. anti player empowerment. Of I think the I think the NBA is way more player friendly uh, yeah. than the NFL. I don't. I'm not going to lie. I wonder how many years of uh, the second rookie contract that we have. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You're yeah. Saying, like the restricted free agency. Yeah, the restricted because free agency. It's yeah. honestly, it honestly is crazy when you think about it that you get drafted as a player and you're basically stuck. Yeah. For seven years, unless you do, unless you take the route of, you know, um, going the option route after four seasons. But, you know, you're leaving a lot of money on the table if that's the case. And people yeah. get injured. People are very afraid to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. Right now, that's it's kind of crazy to just be drafted and be stuck somewhere for basically seven seasons if you're that good. I so, agree. yeah. The NBA has shown that it changed. It has changed before in that. That's that's one of the number one things to look for. I'd say when you look for change, is like has there been change previously in that field? So like for instance, with the one and done rule, I could easily see the one and done rule, you know, being abolished. Now we have high schoolers back because that wasn't the case. You know, it's easier to change a rule that has been changed or there's precedent there. The NBA used to just basically what sign free agents. Just it was there was the territory draft. Whereas if you had if that guy lived near you, you got him. Like what? Pretty sure Wilt Chamberlain was territory drafted by the 76ers. It's I don't know. I feel like this is like and an most age. people listening to this probably don't even know what that means because it's so ridiculous. Why don't you go explain what the territory draft was? Okay, here we go. Wilt Chamberlain was selected. By the uh, Philadelphia 76ers with a territorial pick in 1959. Is there okay. a reason it has that name? Territory? Yes. Draft? Okay. What's the, what's a the territorial pick was a special type of draft choice used in the when it was the Basketball Association of America, 1949, and in the NBA, 1950, after the 1950 season. Okay. So because the NBA was trying to gain support of their fans, uh, who lived in their teams like home markets, they wanted their players from those markets to stay in those markets. So they created the territorial pick rule to help teams acquire popular players from colleges in their areas. Okay. So before the draft, a team could forfeit its first round pick and then select any player from within a 50 mile radius of its home arena. So if Will Chamberlain was 50 miles Within your home arena, you got him, which is exactly what happened in 1959 with Will Chamberlain, and it happened in 1960 with Oscar Robertson, happened in 1962 with Dave Debussier, 1962 with Jerry Lucas, 64 with Walt Hazard. Like, it was a problem back then. I can imagine I can't that. believe that was ever a rule. I mean, I can imagine that being manipulated in today's NBA. So you see like a gigantic house where LeBron James and Kyrie (laughs) Irving and Kevin Durant like all live. They're all living in the Lakers. They're living 20 feet away, uh, 20 miles away from Staples Center. (gasps) Yeah. Um, So I I hate to transition us out of this uh, conversation, but I really wanted to talk about another Los Angeles Lakers rival. The Boston Celtics. Honestly, I feel for you guys. 
The Celtics have been one of the most promising teams with the greatest accumulation of assets out of probably every team in the NBA after that heist they pulled off on the Brooklyn Nets back when they moved on from Kevin Garnett, Paul, uh, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, et cetera, et cetera. They ended up getting multiple lottery picks, and now they're in the situation they're in currently. The Brooklyn Nets are contenders, and the Boston Celtics are literally fringe playoff contenders. So what? Uh, who's to blame for the Boston Celtics potentially choking away what is viewed as a can't-miss situation? Yeah, there was a time where Danny Ainge, it was like, okay, Danny Ainge has his picks, his stockpile of picks. He always had them, and the Celtics were involved in every single trade rumor for every single star because they had these Brooklyn Nets picks. And now we're currently looking at a situation where uh, I believe correctly that the Celtics don't even, they don't have anyone's first round pick anymore, correct? No, they don't. And they spent like, they had four first round picks this past year. To their defense, they do have their own and that can get you a superstar if you're willing to uh, throw four, three. However, you know, some teams, they all, all they got to offer is two for a start. They have to, Shout I mean, out. you've got to have the assets Shut Shout out Chicago. At what that do you point. mean? Uh, I'm just saying the Celtics. Do you think the Celtics roster has the assets to get them a star? No, you just have to you just have to throw out four picks. You don't you don't have to attach anything to those. Well, I guess you do in some situations, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think they could definitely get a star for four picks. The level of star, you know, remains to be seen. But you know, they still have Jalen Brown descending. They still have uh, Jason Tatum at like 23, 24 years old. They they have a lot of time. So it's a little too early to be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't great. I'd agree with that. I would agree that great. they have more time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, think- I would think that the one thing that set their rebuild back the most, though, or not their rebuild, their, I guess, rise to championship contention is, I mean, we all know that they were very, like, very hesitant to pull the trigger and make moves. Okay. But. I, how do you predict what happens with Kyrie Irving? You know, yeah, that'd be my that's only a big thing. One. Yeah, uh, with because I think I would will say Danny Ainge, and I actually wanted to like you know go deeper into this for a video that I would you know look into researching. So maybe I'll come back next next week's podcast with more information on this to you know dive into. But you know, at the end of the day, yeah, Danny Ainge passed on a lot of picks, uh, on a lot of potential trades, for instance, Jimmy Butler. But if Kyrie Irving really screwed them over okay, over, okay? Because right now Kyrie is playing at an MVP level. He's locked in in Brooklyn. If they had that Kyrie Irving in Boston, we would not be have, even close to having this conversation. You know what? I still think we might because, I mean, the Warriors, LeBron's dominance. Do we really see the Celtics squeezing one out in that time span? Even with Kyrie? I'm talking about right now, if they have Kyrie right now. Oh, if, oh, oh yeah, if Kyrie's cooking right now. Yeah, Yeah, like if he's if Kyrie bought into their team like he said he was going to. He literally went, he had a microphone in his hand. Celtics yeah. home court tells the crowd, I'm coming back. You yeah, have to, but like you have to wonder why did he leave? Because there's obviously what you saw on the court. It was the year there was a year where he went down with an injury and the Boston Celtics still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, took LeBron James to game seven. Terry Rozier played like a beast. 
But I'm sure if you look even further, there has been some stuff coming out about, and I said this in a mock pod, there has been some stuff coming out about Danny Ainge that I personally as a fan believe. You see, a lot of players are really starting not to trust Danny Ainge. You know, as a guy that will easily screw you over if it means that he could build a better team for himself. Now, if you might wonder as a Boston Celtic fan, like, what's the big deal? You know, yeah, of course, they traded Isaiah Thomas after what he did for them in the playoffs for a better player, Kyrie Irving. They gave up an unprotected 2018 pick to do it, which honestly, who would they have drafted with that? And there was a lot more to that. There's a lot more to that because Isaiah came back, you know, hobbled. He was still injured. And he was dealing with that was the same season he was dealing with the death of his sister, correct? Yeah, it was right? after was, the playoff run that had the death of his yeah, sister. Yeah, and so like exactly what you're saying, that got Danny Ainge a lot, a lot, a horrible reputation around the NBA for its players because yes, like you said, you know, they went and just shipped Isaiah off. They played they they played it like it's 2K, you know, they played it like you're playing a my league, my NBA in 2K, where you just at any point in time you're like, okay, Isaiah Thomas doesn't fit anymore. Hit that trade trade finder, boom, Kyrie Irving. Okay, it works perfectly. Problem is the NBA doesn't work like that. You have personalities, and especially with a guy like Kyrie, where you know loyalty means so much to him. And he knows, like he's talked, he's just straight up talked about how this is a business and how no one has your back. And he's he said made comments like that. So who knows? I could completely agree with you. I could, I think Danny Ainge, just his presence could 100 percent have played a factor. It's Kyrie Irving's decision to leave. And then you have, of course, Danny Ainge's whole thing with other general managers right now. How does that affect their team? Because straight up teams do not trust Danny Ainge for two reasons. One, they think that the Boston Celtics are going to squeeze everything they can out of you to basically screw you over. And two, they also believe that the Celtics are completely willing to waste your time. They think that the Celtics will hear you out, pretend that you're going to make, they're going to make a deal, pretend that they're going to do something and then be like, you know what? We're good. To so, also go in a little the more on the Celtics. Like if you're going to be a shrewd businessman, like Danny Ainge has been, I'm going to need you to put a better product on the floor to be short. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could get away with it if it pays off. But the thing is he did it. And it just didn't pay off. And now he has a he has two great players to build around. Jason Tatum and um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are fantastic. But other than that, he needed to do more. Kyrie Irving, if he would have panned out, that would have been great. But then you have the fact that he had all these picks and nothing really came out of them except for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And he pretty much alienated any potential free agent at this point. When's the last time a free agent looked at Boston and said, hey, I want to go there, aside from Kemba Walker and Al Horford. So I think the way this is going to have to end, which is going to be a little awkward because Danny Ainge is a Boston Celtic legend, is he might have to step down and take a more behind-the-scenes role and have like a brand new general manager as the face, kind of like what Daryl Morey and Elton Brand are doing in Philadelphia, where it's clearly Daryl Morey's making all the moves, but Elton Brand's technically the general manager. Although we all know Daryl Morey's the president of basketball operations there. Or I don't I'm, know what I'm not going to lie to you. Those are some solid gets that you just named, though, like Kimba and Al Horford. Like, obviously now you know what they are, but at the time, like those were pretty big acquisitions and the same with, uh, with Gordon Hayward. Yeah. We didn't even mention that. Okay. So let's even rewind further back in time. Are we even having this conversation or close to having it? If Gordon Hayward doesn't 
go up game one of the regular season oh, man. and just completely come down with a broken leg, you know? So that's where the unpredictability is in the NBA. But I would argue back with like what Mike brought up, that having that culture that you build and having that like, you know, trust culture and high team chemistry, maybe that gets you through some of these times. Maybe that gets Kyrie to trust you a little more. Maybe that gets Gordon Hayward, you know, look, we saw what happened this year. Gordon Hayward didn't want to play here anymore. You know, there are some things that are happening in the organization that, you know, maybe it's not as great as behind the scenes or is it even great? Like, do we even think it's great? We've all heard recently last playoffs, correct? You know, there was people in the Boston Celtics locker room throwing stuff like we heard all of that. So maybe the situation behind the scenes in Boston is just not a good one at all. But because they have been a good playoff team up until this year and now they're a fringe playoff team. I'm sure they'll make it, but you know, maybe things haven't come out that we're going to suddenly see leak out more and more as what happens when a team starts to blame other people and starts to point fingers. Going back to what you were saying about the Gordon Hayward situation, they also botched that. Like, first of all, let's talk about the fact that Gordon Hayward reunited with Brad Stevens, his head coach from college, which typically, in my opinion, would be like a surefire home run. Yeah, it was like the, it was the reason he left. Right? Yes, the like, reason. Yeah, was, like was, he, that's how it was. I thought he was going to be a Celtic for life at that point, and then he decided, "Hey, we want to. I want to leave." And the Celtics worked with him for a sign and trade to Indiana. Now the Pacers apparently offered Miles Turner. And Doug McDermott, which honestly, that's a freaking W. You look at what the Nets got. Um, you can look at what the Golden State Warriors got for Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell, and you compare that to like getting Miles Turner in return for Gordon Hayward. If anything, I think that's a slight upgrade to your yeah, team. Yeah, I think we all heard. I, oh, I yeah. remember hearing and being like, yeah, nice. Okay, wow. They got. I remember being like, wow, they're getting that for a sign and trade? Miles and that, Turner like, being available and the Pelicans ending up with Steven Adams is pure pain, bro. And then. If he was available. If he was available. How much do you and hate Steven? Do you go to sleep just with a Steven Adams? No, I actually like just... Steven Adams. He's a cool guy. Like, I love Steven. <laughs> go, Steven. But, I mean, we could have did better, man. You're I know just you know that You're feeling. just backtracking just in case, you know. No, I like Steven. Podcast up. And next, next thing you know, we got <laughs> Steven Adams coming on live. And you're staring up at him and you're like, oh, my God. My favorite and- Pelican. And then, <laughs> and then I, I'm sorry, back to this botched I root for your trade. The Olympics. You, you have Danny Ainge saying, no, 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 no. Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, not enough for me. I want Miles Turner and TJ Warren or Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo. And the trade fell through. And then Gordon Hayward went to form a super team in Charlotte with LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges. So that's another missed opportunity. And all the of facts. these missed opportunities just start to compile if you're a Boston Celtic fan. You come, you add that and then you compare Danny Ainge's style to a person like Sam Presti, who is not only hoarding draft picks, but has this reputation of, hey, Russ, thank you for what you've done for us. Russell Westbrook, where do you want to be traded to? Houston? We'll find a way to trade you to Houston. Hey, Chris Paul, welcome. We're going to pump up your value, and then we're going to ship you somewhere you want to go. Are you cool with going to Phoenix after this year? After a good year, send them to Phoenix. Hey, Al Horford, welcome. Okay, you're not doing anything for us really here, so we're going to bench you, and I'm going to actually Beyond? monitor this situation because I think this is probably the most interesting situation out of all of them because it doesn't appear as though they're willing to buy him out. But at the same time, Al Horford has a horrible contract, so maybe he's going to play golf and then retire. So 
it's really interesting comparing and contrasting Danny Ainge to Sam Presti because you have two general managers, two that I think well, are pretty just, good. Well, they're just tanking the Al Horford. Okay, series. Presti's better at everything, talk. for one. Presti, they're tanking and they're still a solid roster, right? They got Moses Brown, who's like... Well, I'm just, just, I'm just saying that's what's going on there. They're just tanking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. But like, honestly, like 18, like how many first-round picks do they have now? Like this guy is unbelievable. Like he's just mops the floor with maybe like every GM in the league, to be honest. I mean, what uh, he's honestly, doing. and he, he's doing it with a big handicap as well. A lot of people give him flack for trading James Harden, but that was as a result of getting underneath the luxury tax, and he was kind of squeezed by Clay Bennett. So, yeah, the fact I mean, that he's able and that to was do so this, long ago. Yeah, I still, I still would say back. that was a bad decision, but um, yeah, yeah, he I mean, chose Ibaka that was a over Harden. Their own talent because. Yeah, they chose Ibaka, and they also, you know, viewed James Harden. Bro, OKC is nineteen and twenty six right now. The Pelicans are one game in front of them. Like these guys know what they're doing. They even finessed us in the Stephen Adams trade beyond just like you know us getting Stephen Adams. They got Kenrich Williams back, who's like a valuable three and D player that's going to get a nice contract this next one. Um, this guy's good, man. I don't know how he does it. He knows how to find talent. They got like a nineteen year old. 6'10", 6'11", sharpshooter, like, so Presti is on his stuff, man. When you compare Sam Presti to Danny Ainge, if you're, like, the owner of the Boston Celtics, do you look and say, okay, Danny Ainge's philosophy is clearly outdated, it's time to let him go? Or what do you do at this point? Because Danny well, Ainge made a remar- made some remarkable moves. The Kyrie Irving trade was a good trade. The heist of the, Bo- uh, of the Brooklyn Nets was a great trade. But ever since then, they've just been swinging for the fences and missing. So what do you do at this point? Um, that's start playing. That's very very hard question because I yeah. mean, high level NBA executives do not grow on trees, and it's all it's also yeah. not the the same situation as like a coach where you might just need a culture change, you might just need a new guy, you know, taking like you know speaking up. You're completely revamping your front office. I think. I mean, it depends on Danny Ainge's own ego, right? Like, if he's willing to take a step back, I, at least publicly, then, yeah, that sounds great. If they could get a guy, I'm not going to lie. I'm not too um, familiar with the people that they could potentially get. But The Fournier trade was great. Uh, yeah, the Fournier, Fournier trade, trade was fantastic. Yeah. Two, two second-round picks for Fournier was remarkable. Yeah, that was, that yeah. was a good get. That um, was good. I mean, he's, he's definitely – He's, I, it, what's just troublesome is his reputation, really. That's that's a big deal, like, though. I won't, yeah, exactly. Like, I won't drag him for his moves. Some moves, yeah, sure. Maybe he should have, you know. I'm, Do you I'm think not he, sure. they should have went for Aaron Gordon? I'm not sure he's the best talent evaluator either. Um, I don't know there if there was a trade that could have been made that drastically moves the needles uh, for the Celtics for the foreseeable future. That's just my Yeah, opinion. I think, honestly, that's a good point with their giant trade exception that they have. I think that we probably, I mean, this is a huge summer for them. And we're going to just have to see what comes of this summer, honestly, because they didn't use their trade exception. They're like, I mean, this, this, from what I've gathered, they're going all in on this summer. They don't think that they're going to be able to move the needle enough yeah, to win a championship this year. So I don't blame them for not going all in on a guy this, this year because... They're not going to win a championship anyway. So right. this summer, I guess we'll see. If you're a Celtic fan, you know, um, just let us know in the comments section down below. How many times have you heard the terms 
the term that the Celtics are going all in this summer. And how often have they been able to actually have a successful summer? It's true. It's, hey. We've heard that a lot. Uh, not me as a Celtics fan, but just us in general. All right, guys. That's going to wrap up episode one of Laced Up. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. I'm Get Like Coop here with Flight Mike. And I'm just yes, weird. sir. Bro, bro, There's, Mike. I, just feel like, I feel like, all the, the comments, I feel like all the comments are just going to be about me, just an Andre Drummond. All right. Bro, all right. see, you guys, see you guys next time. I, I promise. I promise. That was good. I, people more will be ganging up on other people next time. More <laughs> of that. Have a more good night. More of that. More of that. I love that. <laughs>I'm mad we didn't talk about the Vucevic move. I was ready to call that the worst move of the century. But it's all good. What? It's all good. We have to win for Zach Levine. You have to win to waste Zach Levine's prime. Look at a load of this guy. Oh, my God.